Welcome to Bored Women, a podcast that explores the world of women and confidence through the lens of board sports. This is about finding time for you and reconnecting with the joy and adventure in your life. I'm the founder, Caroline Keylock, and I'll be speaking to women in their 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond who are pushing the boundaries of what their bodies can achieve. We celebrate mistakes. We celebrate innovative mindset that fail early, fail often. And so then they're more likely after that, the next season to say, hey, you know what? This is a safe space. Nobody's going to laugh at me. We're trying things together. I'm going to really go for it. This week's interview is with Merida Miller, founder of Project Fearless, a not-for-profit that raises girls' confidence through activities like skateboarding. It's recently been funded by Nike, amongst other organizations. Merida describes herself as professional hype girl, founder, and importantly, chief snack officer. Okay, so hi Merida, really lovely to have you on the Board Women podcast. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So just to give the listeners a tiny bit of context as to how we got introduced, we had a mutual friend in Amsterdam and we talk a lot in Board Women about how we all wished that we had got into these different sports a lot earlier and how we wished we'd been encouraged as young girls to do these things that are a little bit more adventurous but the structure just wasn't there so the fact that you run this amazing project that we'll hear a little bit more about in the interview called Project Fearless just made me think that you'd be a really interesting podcast interviewee for us because it's great to think about where it can all start before we before we worry about what just didn't happen to us when we were younger yeah (laughs) yeah exactly exactly nice so we have this question that we ask everyone who comes on the podcast. So we'll start with that. And that question is, when did you last fall? Yeah. Um, so I have to admit, I've been out of the board. I haven't been on a board uh, in a little in a little while. But my last fall was actually, so not this weekend, but the weekend prior. I'm big into uh, cycling now. So I was gravel riding with my friends and got into a really muddy bit and I just went down. What's gravel riding? Gravel riding. So most people are familiar with like race bikes on the road, but this is like a race bike made for, I don't know, gravel. So like mud, dirt, not full mountain biking, but not necessarily as thin of tires as your race road bike. So it's kind of in the middle, but just means you can go off track on your bike and it's a lot of fun. It does sound fun. So tell us about falling for you though. Like, is it something that scares you still? Is it something you've just got very used to with all the different things that you try? Yeah, I think it still, of course, scares me. Like I was, I was actually embarrassed that it happened because I was riding with my friends who I, of course, really want to impress and keep up with. And I'm still quite new to the cycling world. And so there was a little of a moment of embarrassment (laughs) that happened, I have to admit. But for me, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm scared of it. I think I do it a lot. We all have to. I'm quite clumsy as well. So I, I trip over <laughs> my own feet on a... Re- I mean, if you want to ask me how, much, how when I actually fell, fell, it was probably last night going to the bathroom, like <laughs> running into my bed at, the, at 3 a.m. But no, falling is... It's definitely part of the practice. I think as I get older, the fear of getting hurt while falling is a little higher. But uh, so far, I'm pretty resilient, both emotionally and physically, knock on wood. It's so funny, though, the embarrassment side is quite a big thing as an adult, I think, because when you fall over as a kid, it is just part of the course, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's something that you just do all the time in play and mucking around in any sports that you do. But I think as adults, because you become less used to falling, 
the embarrassment yeah. factor of who that's in front of. Or, or to be honest, actually, sometimes I'm most embarrassed if I'm on my own. And I've yeah. had a big fall. <laughs> and you've just kind of sat there feeling quite yeah, stunned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a bit yeah, like, yeah, yeah. no one's here to help me. I just feel like a total idiot at this point. And I just need to get up and, you know, dust myself off and do whatever I was trying to do again. And sometimes that's worse. Absolutely. No, I, I can totally that by yourself shame because at least if you're with other people especially people you know you can look up and be like ha 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 wasn't that so funny and like do that self-deprecating humor right but when you're by yourself then you're kind of just looking around like oh uh who saw that and who can I make fun of with to like soften the blow I know yeah. and actually the other people with you really fuel that ability to get up and do it again I think because there's a pride yes. aspect to it so the reason that you're here to tell us about Project Fearless can you tell us what it is and then maybe sure. a bit about you know your journey into it so Project Fearless is a nonprofit, uh, founded and based in Amsterdam I founded it in 2019 uh, but we actually last year expanded to Rotterdam too so now we're in two international Dutch cities and Project Fearless creates after-school programs for girls gender fluid youth and anybody who can identify with the girl experience between the ages of 9 and 14. And our programs focus on, well, building resilience, <laughs> falling, getting back up, confidence, making a positive impact, growing those young future leadership skills from a young age, and giving girls and kids uh, accessible role models. And we do that through eight-week programs. And we have a famously our skateboarding program, Program. Every season we have three skateboarding programs happening around the cities. We also do things like bouldering, kickboxing, sustainable sewing, run club, football, art and activism. We have a youth leadership program. So it's a, a lot of different things for a lot of different uh, girls and kids. But our skateboarding one is definitely one of the more famous ones, I would say, because of the the real the real falls and get backs ups. And yeah, I founded that in 2019. So we're going into our fifth year, which is just crazy that this like little wow. seed that I had inside me has now like, I don't know, grown. I guess that's maybe what people who have kids feel like. Like I've, <laughs> I've never, I don't have kids. Um, <laughs> but I think about it that I'm like, wow, this one thing that was once inside of me is now in the world and doing stuff in the world. And um, your baby's all grown up. You describe yourself as a professional hype girl, founder. <laughs> And importantly, chief snack chief officer, snack operator, yeah, which I I love. So, you know, tell tell us about what you were doing before and how the gem of an idea of Project Fearless came about. Yeah, I, I went to university for fashion design. Uh, I studied ski and snowboarding clothing because for me, snowboarding was everything. Growing up, I actually used to teach adaptive snow sports, so people with disabilities, uh, both physical but also neurodiversities, how to ski and snowboard. So I wanted to focus on snowboarding clothing. So I went to fashion design school for that. And then quickly after I graduated, started at Under Armour as an advanced concept designer for their innovation team. Did that for seven and a half years. But the whole seven and a half years, although great, I got to work with a lot of athletes. I did design my snowboarding clothing. I just felt like something was missing. Like it wasn't my full expression of myself, let's say. So in 2018, I did a lot of self-reflection and figuring out, okay, who... Who am I? What makes me happy? What makes me the best me? And when it boiled down, I realized that when I can uh, be in a place where I'm in the impact, so I need to be working with people um, just like I was when I was teaching adaptive snow sports. I loved being physically on the mountain, physically helping them. Um, I loved the, uh, let's say like 
ripple effect of impact. So if I teach you how to tie your shoes and empower you to do that, you're more likely to empower somebody else to tie their shoes. And then the third one, which is the most important one, is the hype girl. Um, I just get so excited for other people. Um, I've never been a cheerleader, meaning like, let's say, at, in my high school, I was never a cheerleader. <laughs> um, but I absolutely love, uh, I love cheering people on and I love watching people try new things. So for me, hype girl needed to be a place that I could do that. I also recognized how much focus was happening uh, on women at the top to help with, you know, let's say close the gender equity gap. And I, I think that's awesome, right? There's a lot of leadership uh, development programs and uh, meetups you could go to. And one of the things though I kept hearing were these women who were, you know, let's say whether you're 22, just entering the workforce or 40 and deciding what next, a lot of low confidence, a lot of feeling like they needed to be somebody else in order to get ahead, a lot of questioning their decisions and whether or not they can make a new life decision. And I felt at the time reflective and really lucky that I actually grew up in a space that was really pro falling and getting back up and really pro, well, let's fuck around and find out kind of thing, for lack of a better word, (laughs) and how that helped me become confident in ways that, yeah, made me feel comfortable taking a leap from the corporate world. And so I wanted to create that space for young girls, um, knowing that when we are young, uh, that's when our our brains are developing. That's also when we start to fear failure. Uh, It's also when we start to recognize the world and our space in the world. And so I wanted to really give them the tools from a young age uh, and also the community from a young age and what that feels like to have a community that really is there for you and uh, believes in you. So there's obviously a number of things and I really want to dig into separately about what sustainable sewing is as a question but there's a number of activities that you are pursuing with these groups of girls to empower them and get them to really have confidence in themselves why those particular ones like what made you choose those and and why were skating at the heart of one of the first ones the the truth is when I was first starting it it was whoever I could find coaches for right because at the end of the day it doesn't really matter what we're coaching it's how we're coaching and the space we're creating within that I played team sports growing up, and then I worked at Under Armour, which is obviously a very team and sport-focused place. And I recognized in the corporate world how I could easily sit in a, in a room of people at a table, and I could tell you who'd played a team sport growing up and who didn't. <laughs> so I wanted to create that team sport atmosphere no matter what we were teaching, because at the end of the day, you learn really a lot of developmental skills on team sports, but not everybody likes team sports or likes sports, which is totally fine. So I wanted to ensure that whatever we were teaching had that feeling of being on a team, the responsibility of being on a team, the commitment, the empathy, uh, and the support of being on a team. And it happened in those early stages that um, I had some incredible, you know, I put this idea out to the world. Hey, this is what I want to create who coaches stuff? (laughs) Like, um, do we have women role models who coach stuff in the local community? And I was really lucky that one of those was also a small nonprofit that had just gotten back from teaching in Palestine called Women Skate the World. And they, you know, contacted me. They're like, hey, we we love what you're doing. We'd love to support. um, And we want to do a skate program with you. And I was like, love it. Obviously, somebody who grew up snowboarding, I'm thinking they must be the exact same thing 
course they're not. <laughs> but um, yeah, but skateboarding was one of the first ones that came into our programs and stuck ever since. And it was such a, it was a great one, right? I mean, there's no better expression of falling down than getting back up than skateboarding because you're constantly doing it and in a real physical way. But we also try, like I said, we want to create a space for every type of girl and kid. And so that's also why at any one time we have multiple types of programs they can choose from because at the end of the day, coming to Project Fearless is already out of their comfort zone, right? So it's we don't connect with schools. We actually actively encourage you not to show sign up with friends. You're meeting coaches and doing something you've probably never done before. Um, and so, but the idea is that once you join us, and most kids join in their comfort zone, so if they've played football once, maybe they sign up for football, or maybe if they're more academic inclined, they sign up for the science and art. But the idea is that once you get here, we celebrate mistakes, we celebrate innovative mindset that fail early, fail often. And so then they're more likely after that, the next season to say, hey, you know what? This is a safe space. Nobody's going to laugh at me. We're trying things together. I'm going to really go for it. And now the kid who normally would never want to do something outside or in a sport environment has signed up for skateboarding or or vice versa. You know, the girls who maybe are really quite confident in their physical abilities, but actually like maybe are failing science like me, <laughs> but they actually like science because it's fun. And so now they realize, well, I'm not going to get graded at Project Fearless. So why don't I go play with microscopes in a safe space? And so, yeah, we wanted to create that idea that you can always try new things. You don't have to be good at something to like it. And uh, the importance of safe spaces when when falling and learning. So tell me about your journey with board sports. You've spoken about the fact that you grew up snowboarding and I know that you've tried skateboarding through this whole process. So tell me a little bit about the role of board sports in your life. Well, like I said, I I started snowboarding when I, I I transitioned from skis to snowboard when I was in middle school. So I think I like 12 and I just absolutely loved it. It's still, I say, one of my greatest loves and my first loves probably. And then in high school, I was the captain of my ski and snowboard team at, at my at my high school, and then, and that's where I also coached uh, adaptive snow sports, which was just the best. I mean, still some of my favorite memories there uh, on the mountains and seeing people find their love for snow sports and the empowerment of like just flying down a mountain and feeling that in your face. At the time, though, I only had one girlfriend who could snowboard. Uh, at a level that her and I were like comparable, right? That we we were fast and pushing each other and everybody else was, was guys, um, which was lucky because I, yeah, I'm I'm okay with hanging out with guys. doesn't matter, but it it was really interesting when I reflect back on that. And then, yeah, I took a pause from that. Well, I always could still snowboard and and did some snowboarding when I worked at Under Armour for wear testing and travel and stuff. But um, I really, it wasn't until Project Fearless that I re-stepped back on a board because obviously the Netherlands is quite flat. <laughs> so <laughs> the board in, in the Netherlands was a skateboard. And I remember thinking like, okay, come on, how, how hard can it be, right? Like the learning curve <laughs> for snowboarding is quite, quite extreme, but like I can do this. I can just stand on a board at least. And I could, like I, I, I had good initial balance, right? I know where my feet goes. I know that I'm goofy. I know that kind of basic stuff. Um, but I also quickly recognize that like, I really like to be strapped into stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I like the ability to not be able to bail (laughs) because I will bail. (laughs) Um, and I'm sure you know that sometimes with 
with skateboarding, the best thing is to not bail, um, is to just keep going. Stay on the board. (laughs) Stay on the board. So I, like, when I look back at my life, I'm like, okay, I went from snowboarding to competitive horseback riding to now, like, cycling is my love. And all of those things, you're pretty much clipped in, right? You're you're stuck. And whereas (laughs) skateboarding, like, my feet had free will, and I I didn't like that. Um, But I started skateboarding and, and picked up some things because... Uh, one of the things that we noticed here was the lack of female role models and potential coaches in skateboarding. You know, at Project Fearless, we really think it's important to put women and gender diverse people in the leadership positions and finding those coaches was really tough. And so I was like, well, I guess I got to learn. Like, I guess I got to learn because I got to coach. So I started lessons at Skate Park Nord uh, here in Amsterdam, which is a really cool indoor space. And Part of it was for me, part of it was for Project Fearless. But at the time, I also met... Uh, so there's a 30-plus group, right? So they, they split you by age group. So it's like 18 to 30 is one age group that is on Mondays from, I don't know, let's say 6 to 7. And then there is 30-plus-year-olds. And um, so I show up to 30-plus group, and there's only a few women in the space. Um, and quickly, we start chatting and as the number one hype girl and just, I think, like the American in me who wants to make friends, I, you know, I'm, I'm chatting up all these, <laughs> these Dutch, Dutch women skateboarders. Um, and eventually I say break them down to be my friend. And, uh, but <laughs> no, the, and they ended up being this, this really incredible core group of women who showed up every Monday night to skate together, to celebrate each other. And then, yeah, we founded this little dorks on deck. <laughs> Let's call it Skate Collective. And that was during COVID as well. So during winter, the skate park closed again because of COVID. So we started meeting up outside and it was such a great thing to have this group that, um, yeah, every weekend would find time to meet up and skate. And I, I really loved and cherished those moments. Dorks on Deck is still going strong. I still support them. I'm not part of, I'm not part of them anymore because I've since have transitioned from the skateboard to my, my race bike, but I love watching them and, and selling breading them from afar. And uh, I still have some photos. I think I sent you one of, of us at the skate park in the summer. And I don't know, it really kind of brought you back to those days when you were a young kid, just like yeah, getting outside with your friends, mucking about, seeing who can do what, learning from each other, sending each other practice videos during the week um, and hyping each other up. It was great. There's a real vibe to it, isn't there? When you find yeah. your crew and you're all on that same journey of learning something together. I think it's incredibly absolutely. powerful, especially amongst women. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what it was, was the fact that like all of us were relatively the same pace, space, if you will. Some of us were learning quite very fast. I mean, Cornelie, who is now like you know competing for the Netherlands in the European Championships of Freestyle, um, she was such a role model in our group, right? And she was the one who was like, let's go every weekend, you know, let's get us out there. And uh, <laughs> and it was really fun. And it was great also to talk about things we're scared about or um, things we want to try or, yeah, it, it was a really, I don't know, it's kind of, like I said, backyard kind of vibe. It was really great. I know that I've seen with Project Fearless, one of the things that you're most proud of is the fact that the mums have got involved. So they've been bringing mm. their daughters along and then the mums have decided that they want to do something similar. So can you tell me a bit about what's happened there? So very from the early stages of Project Fearless, every time I'd say, okay, yeah, it's from ages nine to 14, we'd get a lot of, okay, but what about adults? <laughs> you know, what about women? Like, wh- are you ever gonna do something for them? And for a while I was just 
you know, needing to focus on where we started. Um, but I saw, well, we all know the need for a safe space. We all know the need for community. Um, and so in our programs out in New West Amsterdam, which is, it's part of Amsterdam, but it's a really big neighborhood. And the programs out there, we predominantly work with Islamic community of women and girls. And for a lot of them, Project Fields is one of the like key spaces where they can sport, right? Because of maybe access to girls-only spaces or women-only spaces and things like that. And we had women who were coming up to us saying, the mom saying, yeah, okay, this is great that you're doing this for my daughter, but like, I need this. <laughs> and so last year, we started with a couple just like little workshops around kickboxing and things like that, see how the moms liked it. And now we have a kickboxing group that meets every Monday uh, of the moms. And it's great because they drop their, well, currently the moms are going and the girls aren't even sporting because it's football, it's football's not happening right now. But, um, you know, they drop their girls off at football and then they get to go and do their own kickboxing which is amazing and it also helps build more role models right so when the young girls see their moms taking uh the importance of community and safe spaces and time for themselves and taking sport into consideration and getting out of their comfort zones you're building role models within these tiny community ecosystems which is very cool i love the fact that it's cyclical as well that you can actually you know see your daughter doing something that makes you challenge whether perhaps you are doing enough new things, really pushing yourself, and that that in turn reinforces, you know, your kids' activity and their drive. I, I love the fact that absolutely. that's kind of reversing some of those normal learning mechanisms. Yeah, absolutely. 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 I think it's, um, I mean, role models come in all ages and shapes and sizes, right? So the girls became the role models for the moms and now their moms are becoming the role models for the girls and and that will keep spreading. And that sense of empowerment and sense of, yeah, you can do this is, is, is something that we really believe in. And it's great to see the moms get out of their comfort zone, not only in the physical side of things, but also the emotional and social side of things, right? So like, obviously I'm a big cheerer. I'm a love hype girl. So like, I, at the beginning, when I come in and coach these kind of moments, the, you know, especially people who don't really know me or, yeah, I know Americanisms can be quite loud. <laughs> they, they all kind of look <laughs> at me like a bit funny, which on one hand builds a sense of community right at, in that moment because they're all looking at each other like, oh my God, we're in this together with this woman, this wild <laughs> hype girl woman. But then they start, it becomes so silly and fun that they start doing it themselves and that builds relationships and that builds trust and um yeah it's it's just super special I think the silliness and fun is required in more spaces if I'm honest because I have been yes. to I have <laughs> been to skate sessions you know where they're led by like really amazing coaches but they're coaches that have been through maybe learning as a kid who was a boy yes. and they don't necessarily uh-huh. understand some of the barriers of your brain and, um, yeah. and you need the silliness and the fun and not taking yourself too seriously to loosen up a bit and give things a go and not worry too much about, you know, falling or failing in your head. Absolutely. Unfortunately, as we all know, something that we kind of grow out of. And I don't know why. Like, <laughs> like I don't know why we have to grow out of it because we all have it inside of us. So it's unfortunately that society has made us feel like we can't be silly as adults. Um 
Because I mean, I'm I'm very silly, and I people can still take me seriously. And if they don't, it seems like their problem. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I love that. Let's talk a little bit about failure and starting again, because I think mm-hmm. you know you're obviously somebody. And I saw a quote from you where you talked about the fact that you found it hard when asked what's the thing that you do for yourself to kind of pick one thing because you're constantly trying new (laughs) things and picking things up and checking them if they're right for you, which I love that as an outlook and I'm quite similar to you. But in both those sports that you're picking and the organisation that you're running, inevitably failure is going to come your way. What's your thoughts about the kind of mindset of, you know, picking yourself up and dusting yourself off and cracking on again? I think I've been really lucky to fall and fail a lot when I was younger and get hurt a lot, (laughs) Uh, both like emotionally, socially, physically. But I was also lucky then to have safe safe spaces I could revert back to uh, for that support outside of those moments that that happened. And that's actually something that studies have shown is the key to resilience. It's not necessarily falling back up and just throwing yourself constantly in the tumbling pit, but the fact of having a safe space somewhere else doesn't have to be home it doesn't have to be school but as long as you have one safe space that also is part of the resilience factor is that helps you remember it's okay I can do this you know um and I've I've had to make quite a lot of switches in my life I've left a marriage before um I've left well corporate job I've left the country I grew up in and all of those were big leaps but I trusted within myself that that leap was going to lead me somewhere. (laughs) Maybe not the best place right away, but it would lead me somewhere. I think that's really important to to when you think about falling or failure, is it's still a direction, (laughs) right? You know, if you fall, maybe you're falling up or falling down or falling sideways or whatever, but it's still a direction. That's really important because often we get frozen in space because we think, well, if I step that way, this might happen. If I step that way, this might happen. And if I do this, that might happen. Or if I fail... But at the end of the day, just doing something is better than nothing because that helps you reset yourself for whatever coming next. What was your safe space when you were younger? Like what set you up to have that mentality? Was it your family or a different community that you had when you were young? In middle school, it definitely wasn't school. (laughs) I can say that. (laughs) And I think that was a key to, to, to making Project Fearless was like recognizing that School was not necessarily a safe space, and it's not safe for a lot of people. And I think the word safety has a lot of heaviness to it, but that could just be bullying or just feeling out of place or feeling unseen. And so, yeah, I had a lot of spaces outside of school, right? I did horseback riding outside of school, snowboarding outside of school. And so for me, I think let's call it sport or activities has always been key to where I found people who were like-minded to me. And I even recognize that now is that as an adult, all of my community has come through sport or like a shared hobby, because that's where you learn about failure and falling and teamwork and and who you can trust, right? Like when you're when you're on a team working towards one goal, you're going to have fails and wins. And so that's where you learn who you can trust and who who's always got your back, even if you've fallen and failed together. So, yeah, for me, the safe space was always through sport, um, whether that was volleyball or snowboarding, horseback riding. Uh, at a younger age and then older. Yeah, I went a couple years without feeling like I had that. And even a couple years here when I moved to Amsterdam and actually Dorks on Deck was the first time since moving to Amsterdam, I think that was four years in, that I felt like I really felt like I had my people again. 
So interesting, isn't it? So you're kind of, you're chasing that same feeling that you managed to have as a safe space when you were younger and looking to create it for others. I do wonder if that is why suddenly women who are 30 plus are having such an ascendancy in these sports because it's very easy to get to that age and suddenly your safe spaces and communities are lost to you a little bit because you've been so focused on either growing career or growing family or Mm -hmm. you know focusing on so many things and you don't necessarily have that same kind of friendship set that you might have had when you were much younger because people are now living further apart they've all got their own set of stresses and responsibilities and I think that there's something very addictive to that feeling of finding your people and finding your safe space and I I definitely on a personal level feel that that you know you, you go to this other spot and you're suddenly with a community of people who come from very different backgrounds and experiences all linked by this newfound passion for something which is quite infectious and and that's lovely to suddenly feel like you have that safe space again yeah no definitely I think that's the infectiousness is I think when it when I look at dorks on deck all of us look to Cornerly as this yeah this beacon (laughs) you know like (laughs) she had two young kids but yet she was taking the time for herself. And I think that is incredibly important. Um, yeah, to, to carve that space out, which is hard. It's hard to carve that space out when you have a family, when you have work, when you're exhausted. Um, but then once you have it, you don't want to let it go. A hundred percent. So just to finish then, you know, there'll be other women who are 30 plus listening to this and thinking, mm-hmm wow, this woman's amazing and she's doing all these adventurous things and she's helping young girls do these adventurous things. And how do I grab a little bit of that attitude for myself? So what would your advice be for anyone, you know, potentially on the brink of considering picking up a board, getting involved in something that potentially scares them a little bit? I think start small. Like people don't have to, the whole idea of being pushed. I mean, I'm a big believer in the the idea that being pushed or jumping out of your comfort zone doesn't necessarily work for all of us and doesn't really, probably won't work for most of us. Um, So find your comfort zone and then find what your growth zone is and what your panic zone is. And then just, just get a little bit out of your comfort zone. So you don't want to be in your panic zone um, all the time or too much because it will just exhaust you. Uh, but just think what your growth zone is. So for some, it may be just jumping right in, going and signing up for skateboard lessons. Some, it might be just going and watching a skateboard lesson. Um, some, it might be just going to a yoga class. Like it, it doesn't have to be um, something really big and, and gnarly because each of those things will build confidence to get you to that, to that, your final goal, whether it is jumping on a board or uh, yeah, something else. But um, yeah, you can start small. It's not, uh, I don't know, that whole idea of like, so cliche, but it's like life is not a race, <laughs> right? Like we can start <laughs> small and still make steps towards our goal. But I think the biggest thing is once you start choosing yourself and start choosing your, yeah, yeah, start choosing that your community is important to you. Um, that's just a step in itself. And that's already, you're becoming a role model for others around you. Um, it's also okay to go with friends. <laughs> like I said at Project Real is that we encourage you not to show up with friends, but um, if your friends are your safe space and maybe find a friend who's always up for anything. Like 
I'm now that friend who people are like, I really want to try aerial yoga. They contact me because they'll know I'll say yes because I'll just do it. <laughs> so so maybe find that one friend um, and see if they'll sign up for this with you. And then that friend doesn't have to continue, right? That friend doesn't have to continue, but it, maybe you've already – once you get your foot in the door, it'll be easier to, to maintain that. But um, I think choosing yourself and, and what that really means for you is really important. And I wish more of us – took the time and space to do that. Amen to all of that. Thank you so much for your time today. I've loved talking to you. So excited to see how Project Fearless continues to come to life and all of the new stuff you're doing with people like Nike who are now supporting you and good luck with everything. Yeah, thanks. We have, um, we actually have a little, uh, like a three minute film coming out about our skate community in New West. So I'll share that with you as well when it comes out, because it's really cool. Like we have our little pockets of skateboarders all over the Netherlands now in Project Fearless, which is really fun. But we're, we've just done a little film focusing on that New West community. And it's great. What I love about stories like Merida's is that often things like Project Fearless come from a really personal place. Creating a safe space to fail and get up was what Merida had when she was little, and there's a real power in her creating that for other girls. If you enjoyed this conversation, please like, review and share with your friends. It really helps to get the podcast noticed. We have a big vision for Bored Women and we want you to be part of it. So check out our upcoming events and how you can get involved at Bored Women on Instagram and boredwomen.co. I'll be back in a couple of weeks when I'll be talking to Sam Haddad, an experienced journalist in the outdoor and extreme sports world.